We're continuing today our series, God's Power Continues. In this series, we're going through the first half, basically, of the book of Acts. And uh, we're talking about how God's power continues. Now, what, what does that mean? Well, we're, we're discovering that in the book of Acts, we see the, we see the power of God continuing in just in the same way as God's power was revealed in the ministry of Jesus. We go through the Gospels, we see... God's power operating as Jesus healed people, as Jesus did miracles, other things. We see that same power continuing through the book of Acts. Secondly, in the book of Acts, we see the the power of God continuing through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Obviously, in the book of Acts, Jesus has ascended up into heaven. He is no longer here on the earth, but his power is there through the Holy Spirit. And Jesus operates through the Holy Spirit in apostles. He operates through non-apostles, through ordinary people, and we see that power continuing right through the whole book of Acts. And so we conclude that God's power is continuing, as Acts teaches us, in the last days, and the last days continues into our time. It's the time between when Jesus ascended into heaven and when he returns again. So we are living in the last days. The key verse in Acts 1 verse 8, which we've Referred to many times, a repetition causes us to remember, doesn't it? So Acts 1.8 says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so the primary reason that the power of God continues, that it continued in the book of Acts and continues to our day, is so that we as Jesus' followers can be his witnesses. So that we can tell other people about Jesus. So the church can continue to grow until he returns again. Now today the message is entitled, The Power of the Spirit's Voice. And so not only does the Holy Spirit provide power to do miraculous signs, people being healed, uh, people being delivered, but the Spirit gives people supernatural guidance. That's what we're going to be looking at today. Jesus himself said in John 10, 27, My sheep listen to my voice, I know them, and they follow me. And so the image in the Bible we have is is Jesus, the good shepherd, and he leads his sheep. He speaks to his sheep. He speaks to his sheep through his spirit. And we are to listen to his voice and to follow his directions. That's the only way we're going to keep on track with our shepherd. He knows the way. He knows what's going to happen in the future. He knows the best path to take. And we need to listen and follow. Many people struggle to hear God speak and wonder what it really means. We we say things and and people say, "I I don't hear voices. You hear voices? And they give you a funny look. And when I was a new believer, I really didn't understand that the Spirit could directly speak to me. I thought when people said, God spoke to you, that you just read the Bible and that was what God spoke to you. Well, God does speak to us through the Bible, but there's another dimension to hearing God speak. And it wasn't until I followed the three steps that God desires every believer to follow that I began to hear the Spirit's voice clearly in a new way both directly and through God's Word. What are those three steps? Well, Acts 2.38, kind of the second key verse of Acts. Peter, preaching on the day of Pentecost, told the crowd, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, 
for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so here are the three initial steps encapsulated or summarized by Peter in this verse. Every person is to repent, put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. They're saved. Secondly, you're to be water baptized. And thirdly, to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And each of those three steps takes an act of obedience in faith by a person. They don't happen automatically. Jesus himself told us in Luke 11:13, If you then, being evil, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So many people say, well, people are just automatically baptized in the Holy Spirit. Well, Jesus here himself is telling his followers indirectly to ask for the Holy Spirit. Speaking of the baptism in the Holy Spirit, that's what the believers did on the day of Pentecost. That's what we see taking place throughout the book of Acts. And so when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, it opens the door to hearing the Spirit speak clearly to you. And it was when I was baptized in the Holy Spirit that I began to hear God speaking directly to me that God's Word just opened up became a living book to me. I began to understand things I never understood before. Now just a couple of Sundays ago, last Sunday we had the missionaries with us, the Colemans, to the Middle East. How many appreciated their sacrifice and their sharing what they did? Uh, it's a, and let's keep them in our prayers. It's a very uh, high calling from God. Uh, to do what they're doing. But a few Sundays ago, the Sunday before that, we took a survey here in the church to help us better understand where we are at as a church in these initial steps of Christian obedience. And here are the results. And these are the people that were in attendance. I realize we don't have everybody here every Sunday. So if you didn't get the chance, uh, these may not be representative of everyone here, but of the people that were here. Here are the questions. Number one, the first question was, have you believed in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? 100%. So I think that's great. I think that's great. Actually, I would have preferred it to be a little less than 100% because that would have mean you're inviting your unsaved friends and relatives here. So actually, I'd like that number to go down a little bit, actually. Uh, now, I don't want any of you to fall away. I don't mean that, but... Invite people who aren't saved so that they can hear the Word of God. Number two, have you been water baptized by immersion since you believed in Jesus? 90%. That's good. And, uh, but I would like those two numbers to be the same in one and two. And I believe God would as well. So if you haven't been baptized by immersion since you've become a believer, I'd encourage you to sign up on the back of your Connect card. There's a little box to check. And that'll get you on the list for our next baptism. And we'll... When we get a sufficient number signed up, we'll schedule that. And uh, if you have questions about baptism, feel free to contact me and uh, talk to me about it. Third question, have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues? That's what we've been talking about all throughout the book of Acts. And 44% uh, percent have uh, been blessed with the gift of the Spirit in that step. If you haven't, Begin to pray and begin to ask God for that gift. Jesus said that if we ask Him, He'll give us the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, I've said this before, but just to be clear, every person when they're saved has the Holy Spirit living inside of them. 
But the baptism in the Holy Spirit is a special endowment, anointing, a power to be witnesses. And we all need that power in our lives. We have a brochure on the baptism of the Holy Spirit over on the table on my left, and I'd encourage you, if you haven't been baptized in the Spirit, to pick it up and to read it and to pray over it and seek God for that wonderful experience. Question number four. Do you pray in tongues on a daily basis? And 20% said they do. Now, if you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, then you have the gift of praying in your private prayer language and praying in tongues, praying in the Spirit. The Bible uses different terminology for it at any time. Just as we can pray in English at any time, you can pray in tongues in the Spirit at any time. And God wants you to use that gift. And so I'd like to see the number of the people baptized in the Holy Spirit, the number of people praying in tongues every day to be the same. Okay, and so if you don't, ask God to, to help you to release that gift. When you pray, we don't have time to go into the whole teaching, but Paul says in 1 Corinthians, I will pray with my mind in English, in the language you understand, and I will pray in the Spirit. I will pray in tongues. We are to do both. And in our prayer times, we should be doing both. Number five, do you read your Bible on a daily basis? Do we get God's Word into our lives on a daily basis? 36%. Uh, said they read their Bible on a daily basis. And so I would like that number to be 100% too. And uh, how can we do that? By making that a priority in our lives. I would encourage you, you can take 15 minutes a day to read your Bible and pray, and then you can read your Bible every day. Do you have 15 extra minutes? See, how many people... Here, we'll make this real personal, okay? How many people have 15 minutes that they could devote to reading their Bible and praying every day. You could make 15 minutes of time. Okay, very good. I don't know if I look like almost 100%. I'm sure we all waste at least 15 minutes doing things that perhaps are not so such a high priority in our lives. Let's put God's Word as a high priority in our lives. Now, these things are not for advanced believers. These are not... I must be very mature, you know, and followed God for 20 years in order to do these things. No, these are things for new believers. These are just the basics of the Christian life. And we need these things to grow further in God, to accomplish everything. God has wonderful things He wants you to accomplish in your life. But we need to get the basics down in order to be prepared for that. Now today we're going to look again at the life of Philip. Philip was not an apostle. Uh, he was just an ordinary believer in the church. Uh, he was selected to, to feed the widows who were grumbling and complaining about the distribution of food. And yet God used him in a wonderful way. A couple Sundays ago, a few Sundays ago, we saw Philip had been used by the Spirit not just to serve the widows the food, but he'd actually been used by the Holy Spirit to do miraculous signs and wonders. People were healed through his ministry. People were delivered from evil spirits. Many people were saved. And then they were baptized in water and baptized in the Holy Spirit. The three things that Peter mentioned happened in the ministry of Philip. Today we're going to look at the life of Philip again. and We're going to see what happened next. We're specifically going to focus in on the aspect of learning to hear the Spirit's voice. Learning to hear and obey when the Spirit speaks to us. 
And so our first principle today, and I'd encourage you to take out a white page in your bulletin. Hopefully it's in there. Here it is. It has the outlines written out, the verses, and on the back is a study guide. And uh, many of the life groups use that study guide in their meeting together. And I encourage you, you can use that in your daily time of reading God's Word and praying to look in a little more detail, answer some of the questions, and pray over how the passage and the message applies to your life. And so, the first principle we're going to learn from Philip is we need to seek God's guidance. How many people need a little guidance in their lives? There are times you don't know whether to go to the right or the left. We all need God's guidance. So, verse 26, our story begins. Now, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Now, God wants to guide every aspect of your life. God has a plan for your life. And it's not just a plan, you know, for 20 years down the road. God has a plan for your life today. He has a plan for your life tomorrow. He has a plan for your life next week, next month. And how are you going to follow that plan? We've got to hear what that plan is. We've got to understand what God wants us to do. If we don't receive God's guidance, we're not going to be able to follow that plan. We're going to go astray. And God uses many different means to guide believers. Here God uses an angel to give Philip direction. And this angel instructs Philip to go south along a desert road. Now did the angel give Philip a reason? No. Just go down to this desert road. Now, I might have argued with the angel. It's like, why? I mean, why? I don't really want to go on a desert road. Why should I go down there? But no reason was given. And I believe Philip at the time, he completed a season of ministry in Samaria, and he was seeking God for what God wanted for him to do next. And in re response to Philip seeking God, this angel appeared. Divine guidance was given as an answer to prayer. And as we seek God's guidance, we must be ready for divine appointments because God's got something in mind. As he, verse 27, that's Philip, started out, and so he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. And so Philip didn't question the guidance of an angel. He just uh, simply started out and went to this desert road that he'd been instructed about. And as he traveled, he met this chariot going along. And it carried an important official from Ethiopia. The man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and now he was going back home to, to Ethiopia in, in Africa. And so God had directed Philip to be at the right place at the right time and to meet the right man. It was a divine appointment that was set up by God himself. If Philip had delayed or procrastinated, sometimes we procrastinate, and not gone right when the angel told him to go, what would have happened? He would have missed this guy. The guy would have traveled on. He would have missed him completely. And so Philip obeyed immediately, and the connection was made. If Philip had chosen not to obey, obviously he wouldn't have 
met this official and as we'll see he would have missed a wonderful opportunity to make a difference for eternity. And so Philip had learned to be in constant contact with the Spirit. And so Philip saw this chariot going by on the desert road and it says in verse 29, the Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. And so this is the second form of guidance that Philip had received. First, an angel had spoken to him. We don't know the exact circumstances. Sometimes angels appear to people in dreams. Sometimes they appear to people in vision. Sometimes they just kind of appear in front of them in a waking state. We don't know. I've never seen an angel. An angel has never appeared to me. I, I think I'd like to see an angel, but I'm not sure. Uh, because usually people are really afraid of the angels. And... Uh, but they still do appear to people today. Uh, angels haven't disappeared from the world. They are still active. I believe there's angels in this room. They're, they're all over. Angels protect us. The Bible says we can't see them normally, but they're here. They didn't cease when the Bible was, you know, disappear when the Bible was completed. Uh, they're still around. And so the angel first spoke to Philip, and now the Holy Spirit spoke to him and instructed him to go over to the chariot. Now, if Philip had been like me, he might have been walking along that hot, dusty desert road, grumbling to himself about why in the world God was sending him to this God-forsaken part of the uh, desert. Maybe he was complaining about the heat and the lack of air conditioning. And if he had been complaining and grumbling, he would have missed the, the quiet whisper of the Holy Spirit. But his ears were attuned to hearing what God had next. He knew God was sending him there for a reason, I believe. And so he knew there was going to be another step of guidance. He'd learned to keep his heart attuned to the Spirit's voice, to be in constant contact with the Holy Spirit. Apostle Paul calls it praying without ceasing. Oftentimes we think of prayer simply as us asking God to do something. Well, that's, that's really only half of it or maybe a third of it. The other part is us listening. You know, God has a lot more to say to us uh, than we listen. And if we would hear what God was saying, we'd hear his direction. And we would hear what his spirit was saying. So let's not miss the Holy Spirit's direction. It's important, extremely important as a believer to be able to hear the Holy Spirit speak to you. Now, when we talk about the Holy Spirit speaking to, to us, it doesn't mean we hear Him with our physical ears audibly. Could that happen? Yeah, it could happen. Has it happened to me? No. Never heard, heard the Holy Spirit where I felt it was an audible voice, but it's, it's heard for most people within your heart and within your mind. It's a, it's a sense, it's an impression, but yet it's, it's often so clear that you can write down what the Spirit is saying to you. You can write down sentences or words that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. Obviously, that's what happened here. The Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. I mean, it was precise words that the Holy Spirit spoke to him. And it was only after I was baptized in the Holy Spirit that I began to hear God that clearly. And this is the case for many, many people. And obviously, Philip was baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit. The Bible teaches in 1 Corinthians 14.4 that when a person 
praise in tongues or praise in the Spirit, they edify, strengthen themselves, or build themselves up. And the more that you pray in the Spirit, the more that you communicate with God, the more easily you can hear the Spirit speaking to you clearly. And that was the case in my life and the case in many people's lives. So let me give you an example of the Holy Spirit's guidance. Uh, we began this church a number of years ago meeting in a school in Fenton. And after some time, as we grew, we felt it was time to move into a permanent building. And we, we prayed and we looked around and, and just nothing seemed to work out. We look at this location, we look at this location, it's too much money or something else was wrong with it. And... Uh, we continued to look, and as we were looking for a church location, we became aware of this building on Clayton Road, the building we're sitting in today. And uh, as we looked at this building, it, it was clear to us that it really had all the features that we were looking for. Um, it was just the right size for us at the time. It, had, uh, it was a good location. It had land for expansion. Uh, a lot of the things, everything we were looking for was here, but there was just a small issue that there was another church in this building that, you know, had no intention of selling. And, and, uh, and yet I sensed the Spirit speaking to us that you're, this is a building for you. And so what do you do? So what do we do next? So we prayed and, and God spoke to us to move into a, another school closer to this area, and so we moved into a, a school in Baldwin. I don't know if we've ever talked about this, but clearly that school was in an inferior location to the first one as far as facilities. And so a lot of people thought we were crazy. What are we doing? You know, this isn't really as good a location as the one we were in. But the Holy Spirit had spoken to us, spoken to me, and told us to, to make that move. And to make a very long story short, as we were in that school for a short period of time, the church here uh, decided to sell. And we said, well, we are interested in buying. And God worked out all the finances in a, a miraculous way. And we were able to purchase the building and move into it. And really, uh, like I said, there's much more to the story, but it's simply a matter of listening to the Spirit's voice Obeying the Spirit, stepping out in faith, even when you don't know exactly how things are going to work out, even though logically maybe it doesn't make total sense, but if the Spirit has spoken to you, then it's going to work out. Hearing the Spirit's voice and choosing to obey, even if you don't understand everything that's going to happen, because God understands. God knows the future, even though we don't. And just as in the Example of the story of Philip, God, I would say often, I say usually, doesn't tell us everything. He just says, there's the next step. Are you going to believe me? Are you going to trust me and take this next step, even though I'm not going to tell you what's going to happen next? And that's why it takes faith. After we seek God's guidance, we must take advantage of every opportunity. Verse 30, then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading, Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So we invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now we already know that this, this eunuch, this Ethiopian official, was seeking after God in some form or because he traveled all the way from Ethiopia to Jerusalem to worship 
the God of the Jews. And so he was seeking after God. We don't even know. I mean, maybe he was around on the day of Pentecost. I don't know exactly how long after this, this occasion happened, but it wasn't years after it. Um, but anyhow, he'd come to worship God. And so not only had the Spirit arranged for Philip to meet this man on this lonely desert road, but when he met him, the man was reading God's Word. Uh, he was seeking after God. He was seeking to understand the, the words of the prophet Isaiah. And so Philip was ready to take advantage of the opportunity. He didn't wait for the man to say anything. Who spoke first? Philip. That's not a trick question. I just, I just wanted to say if you were awake or not. So, yeah, about a quarter are awake. So, <clears throat> Philip spoke first. He asked the man, do you understand what you're reading? He didn't wait for the man. He took advantage of the opportunity. And the man said, you know, I don't really know what I'm reading. It doesn't make sense to me. Is there anybody who can explain it? I need somebody. And so Philip said, well, I can do that. And he got into the chariot. And so as, of, as Philip was following God's leading, he obviously knew God was up to something. Uh, he's on this desert road. All of a sudden, the chariot appears. And not just anybody, it's somebody reading God's word. Wow, you know, God's doing something here. And so he was prepared for what God was going to do next, and that was to use the word of God to unlock a heart. Verse 32, the eunuch was reading this passage of Scripture. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before the shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. And so it was no accident that this man was reading God's word. For somebody's life to change, two things have to happen. Two things are needed. We need the truth of God's word and we need the power of the Holy Spirit. And both were in operation right here. And those who are uh, moving in the Spirit, filled with the Spirit as Philip was, are able to understand, to take advantage of a situation like this and be able to, uh, to explain the Scripture and unlock the hearts of those who are not yet believers like this eunuch. And so Philip explained the good news about Jesus. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? And Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. Now, Jesus had explained to his disciples when he was teaching them that all of Scripture, now at that time, Jesus explained to his disciples that all of Scripture, and at that time it was just the Old Testament, okay? They didn't have the New Testament so the only things they had was the Hebrew Old Testament. It was all inspired by God, and it was all about Jesus. Now that's something we need to let sink into our brains even today, that the Old Testament is all about Jesus. It talks, it points to Him. Now this um, particular passage in Isaiah is about the suffering servant. Prophetic scriptures about the coming Messiah, uh, that Jesus would suffer and die uh, so that we could be forgiven and have salvation. And so Philip started with Isaiah, began to explain that the writer of Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah was talking about Jesus. This was a prophecy 
uh, Jesus who was to come, and then he explained how the prophecy was fulfilled. How Jesus had come to this earth, lived a perfect life, and had uh, been put to death by crucifixion on the cross so that our sins might be forgiven and that he was alive. He told them the good news, the whole gospel, as he witnessed to the eunuch. And so Philip took advantage of this opportunity. He didn't drop the ball. Uh, he'd been handed this wonderful opportunity and he, and he completed his assignment. And so how can we follow Philip's example of being a, a witness? First, we need to believe that God is going to give us opportunities. I like to call them divine appointments to talk to other people about Jesus Christ. And so ask God for these divine appointments. Ask God to give you opportunities to tell other people about Jesus. And I believe he will. The question is, will we take advantage of those opportunities? Will we have the courage? We have the boldness to speak up for the Lord when we have the opportunity. We need to know and use God's word to unlock hearts. How did this eunuch become sensitive to what Philip was going to tell him about Jesus? First of all, he was reading God's word. Secondly, Philip understood enough about God's word to go, oh, I don't know what Isaiah was talking about. Now, it wouldn't have gone very well then, would it? But he knew. Uh, the Spirit revealed to him, and he'd undoubtedly been studying, reading his Bible every day, I'm sure. And uh, he understood what was going on, and he was able to take advantage of the situation. So everything we do here at Life Church is based on God's Word. So we give you as much opportunity as we can. The message is saturated in God's Word. We have classes, we have life groups, um, children's and youth ministries use God's Word, but we need, also need to be in God's Word each and every day as well so that we can talk to others about how God's Word applies to their lives so that God can use us to witness to them. But be sure to get to the main point. What was the main point that Philip got to? Jesus. Jesus is the main point. In order for somebody to be saved, we've got to be talking about Jesus. You can talk about God. You can talk about things and you know everybody kind of goes along. But you need to get to Jesus. What is, who is Jesus? What is your response to Jesus? That's where we need to get with people. doesn't matter if the person you're talking to sometimes... You know, we, we quit too soon. And the person we're talking to says, well, I go to church. So, oh, good. I don't, have to, I don't have to witness to you because you go to church. Well, does going to church make you a Christian? A Christian should go to church. Going to church doesn't make you a Christian. So we need to get beyond that. They say, well, uh, I'm a Christian. Oh, good. And I don't have to witness to you. Well, 80-some percent of people in the United States say they're Christians. If you ask the tough questions, the real Christians are down to maybe 10 or 20 percent. Okay? Because you say you're a Christian, does that make you a Christian? No, we've got to get past that and see what does the person really believe. Or they say they believe in God. Oh, they believe in God. I don't need to talk to them about Jesus anymore. Does believing in God make you a Christian? No, just about every religion believes in God. They believe in all kinds of gods. They call it God. They might even believe in some of the things of the God of the Bible. But unless they put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, they're not a Christian. And so what, that's what matters. And so with the Spirit's help, we need to be bold. Uh, we need to talk about Jesus with those that God puts in our lives 
And you know the relatives, the friends that you have, God has put them in your life. They're divine appointments. And God wants you to be the light for those people that He's put in your life. And then we need to follow, final point here today is follow God's pattern of discipleship. Verse 26, as they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, here's water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? Now, why did he ask that question? Well, I believe what obviously had happened is Philip had talked to him about Jesus and led him to the Lord. He committed his life to Jesus Christ. Philip told him about the need to be water baptized. Else, why would he have questioned about it? And as they were, he's saying, you really need to be water baptized. They're going along, there's some water beside the side of the road. And the guy said, well, let's, let's do it right now. Why shouldn't I be baptized? That's a great question. You know, if somebody's believed in Jesus Christ, put their faith and trust in him as their Lord and Savior, is there any reason not to be immediately baptized? You have to learn the deeper things of God in order to be baptized. Do you need to go through years of classes in order to be baptized? No. Uh, every believer should be baptized as soon as possible. And so this morning, if you're part of that 10% that hasn't been yet baptized yet, I'd encourage you to check that box on your Connect card and we'll be in contact with you about our next baptism. So don't put it off. Don't procrastinate. Obedience always brings blessing. It always brings blessing. And we want you to be blessed. God wants you to be blessed. The book of Acts teaches us that all believers should be water and spirit baptized. Verse 38. And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. And so Philip baptizes this new believer. He's just learned about Jesus in the past few minutes or past few hours. He's brand new, a brand new believer, and he's baptized. Now the text doesn't say anything about the eunuch being baptized in the Holy Spirit, but I believe it's fair to assume he was at this point. Why? Well, in chap this is chapter 8. In the first part of chapter 8, Philip had got some people saved. He baptized them in water. But they weren't baptized in the Holy Spirit. When the apostles came, they saw they weren't baptized in the Holy Spirit. And so the apostles taught Philip, you need the third part. So they prayed for him and showed him how to pray for people. These people were baptized in the Holy Spirit and the apostles left. So I believe that Philip understood then the importance of that and this new uh, believer was baptized in the Spirit at the same time. Philip had completed this assignment from God, started with the angel visit, continued with the Spirit speaking to him, and he was now ready to follow God in the next step of adventure. Following God should be an adventure. You know, it's an adventure when God tells you to do something, and then you don't know what's going to happen next. It's kind of exciting. You say, God, what are you going to do next? And Philip was wondering what he's going to do next. Verse 39. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. And the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Um, Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about, preaching the gospel in all of the towns until he reached Caesarea. Now, I don't know exactly what this means. The Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. I mean, when I was... Younger, I saw a few episodes of Star Trek, you know, and I kind of beam me up Scotty, you know, and that's kind of, I see him going up and then coming back down. 
I don't know how it happened or what, what it's really talking about, but Philip's assignment was complete, and God had a new assignment for him. The eunuch had started his life with Christ. He was rejoicing, and undoubtedly, what do you think happened with this eunuch? The eunuch went back to Ethiopia, and the Bible doesn't record what happened, but I believe that he was a witness there to people, and other people uh, gave their lives to Christ. In the Gentile world, the church began to grow in that part of the world through the obedience of Philip, following the Spirit down to that lonely desert road. Now, when we think about our lives, our lives, when you're younger, you don't think this way. When you get a little older like me, you begin to see how short our lives are. Our lives on this earth are not very long, especially in light of eternity. Eternity is forever. And sometimes you should just sit down and think about what forever means. And we can't get our minds around it. But our lives are very short in light of eternity. And we see in this story how one man, Philip, obeying God, following God's direction through this angel and the Spirit, was used to change one man's life for eternity and just the space of a brief span of time. And not just one man's life, because why did the Spirit choose a high official in Ethiopia? Because the man was a man of influence. And when he got back to Ethiopia, I'm sure he influenced many people there for Christ. It all started with one man's obedience, listening to and following the Spirit's voice. Our lives were not given to us by God to be wasted on trivial pursuits. In our society, our culture is filled with trivial pursuits. Things that we can waste our time on that do absolutely nothing for eternity. And God wants us to use our lives to impact eternity. That's what God's plan for each of your lives. My life, your life as well. His plan is not for you to waste your time in trivial pursuits. It's to impact eternity for Him. And so God has many adventures planned for your life. Just like He had adventures planned for Philip's life. He has many adventures planned for you, but we've got to be able to hear the Spirit's voice and follow His direction to make an impact for the kingdom of God and to be blessed in the process as we learn to hear the Spirit's voice and move in obedience. This morning, if you're not sure that you're a believer, I would strongly encourage you to become a follower of Jesus Christ. It's the most wonderful thing in the world. It impacts your life in this life, and it obviously impacts your eternity. Here's how to become a disciple or follower of Jesus Christ. We're going to pray in a minute, but first of all, you need to admit that you've sinned. You've done wrong things. You're following your own way of life. Everybody as following somebody. And if you're not yet a believer today, you're, you're following somebody else or you're just following what you want to do in life. And that's not the road to success in God's eyes. So we admit that we've sinned. We haven't been following God. Secondly, we believe that Jesus died on the cross to forgive our sins, to give us new life, to give us a plan for our lives. And finally, we commit our lives to following Jesus as our Lord and Savior. 
Jesus is not just a ticket to heaven. He's not just to be our Savior. He's to be our Lord. And that means He sets the agenda, He gives us the directions, and we follow. So let's bow our heads right now. If you never prayed a prayer like this, I'd encourage you to pray with me. If you have prayed in the past, but this morning you feel God speaking to your heart and says, I really, you need to recommit your life. You haven't been following, following me as closely as you should. Then I'd encourage you to pray a prayer of recommitment, something like this. Father, today I admit that I've, I've sinned. I've done wrong things. I've selfishly followed the things I've wanted to do in life rather than your plan. Please forgive me. I believe that Jesus Christ came to this earth, lived a perfect life, died on the cross, took my sins upon himself, paid the price that I might be forgiven. I believe he rose from the dead and is alive today. I commit my life to serving him as my Lord and Savior. Come into my life. Make me a new creation. In Jesus' name, I pray. And for those of us who are believers, let's pray that God would work in our lives as well. Father, we thank you for this example of Philip. Just an ordinary guy who listened to your spirit and obeyed. God, help each one of us to seek your guidance in every aspect of our lives. May we be ready and expecting divine appointments each and every day. And God, when those appointments come, help us to be in constant contact with your spirit and to take advantage of those opportunities that you give us. God, we pray that each person here would be prepared for the plan that you have for them. May each person here be water baptized and baptized in the Holy Spirit. And show each person who has been baptized in the Holy Spirit, show them how to pray in the Spirit on a daily basis so they become sensitive to your voice and they make use of the gift that you've given them. Give us all opportunities to share the truth of your word with those around us and to tell others about Jesus. We thank you for your spirit, who is the same today as he was in Philip's day, the one who gives us the power to be bold witnesses for Jesus Christ. In his name, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.